Welcome to Let the Boys Kiss, the creation of queer ships, where we ask the question, is it queer baiting, queer coding, or queer canon? This week, we are somehow still talking about Dean and Castiel from Supernatural. We may die here. I'm Maddie. And I'm Kelsey. Please send help. future in a previous part of this series this is us from the future again but your past so don't get confused still your past we just want to say that part of this discussion was recorded before DenverCon, and part of this discussion was recorded after the supernatural denver con i promise you'll be able to tell the difference yes so if again you listen to part of our conversation and go hey stuff's happened since then just keep listening We'll get to it. (laughs) We'll get to it eventually. But before we get to that, I want to talk about a little something that makes the Supernatural fandom so special. It's what on Tumblr has been called Supernatural Season 16. (laughs) Season 16, you might say. There were only 15 seasons of this show. It is all of the events that have transpired in the fandom post-show. Yes. (laughs) And they are many. So much has happened. Much delight, and I would like to discuss all of it, but I will start first with just, like, the the online vibe on the night of the episode 18 airing, because it was totally shocking, and the world reacted, and, like, yeah. it was trending on Twitter, and everyone was talking about it, it was a whole thing, but to set the stage of what was happening when everyone watched this, it was November 5th, 2020, you... I don't know if you're if you're not American, this did probably didn't mean as much to you. But if you are American, you might recall that there had just been a presidential election two days prior. Yeah. And they were still, uh, somewhat contentious. They were still counting the votes. And obviously it was like all anyone on the Internet was talking about. So then when this Supernatural episode happened and it started taking over the, the whole conversation on Twitter and Tumblr and everywhere. And everyone was like, why is this trending? What the fuck is Destiel? Like, I'm just trying to get the poll results from Georgia. In the midst of that happening, there also was this super weird rumor that Vladimir Putin was about to resign. <laughs> and, and like that just swirled into the mix. It was, I'm sure, completely unfounded. I have no idea where it came from. But sure. then because that was happening at the same time that everyone was talking about Destiel on the internet, the, it turned into this hilarious narrative of like, oh, it turns out Vladimir Putin has been shipping Destiel all along and now he's going to retire because it just went canon on the show. So that got absorbed into it and there was just this weird crazy insane party internet atmosphere to this episode airing in a way yes you know you gotta love the supernatural fandom so it was a wild time on the internet for the entire period from november 5th through the airing of the finale two weeks later to all of the reactions afterwards so different things had come out about the finale from the actors in the time leading up to the finale airing so Mm -hmm. as we mentioned these supernatural actors do conventions all the time they're constantly talking to fans and getting asked questions and saying stuff and jensen in the lead up to the final episodes airing had been at various conventions talking about the finale and his thoughts about it and had basically given the impression that he originally was not a big fan of the finale and when he was saying this 
the fandom had all kinds of reactions when he said that he hadn't initially loved the finale i think a lot of people started to be like that must mean it's gay and that's why he hates it right so right that was kind of the reaction of fandom when he said this so i'll i'll read you what he said before the finale aired and then obviously people's opinions about that changed once the finale actually aired so i'm mostly going to paraphrase because it's a long thing but he's talking about how he and and jared went into the writer's room before the 15th season started which they apparently never do they don't get pitched the season before the season Mm -hmm. starts but they did because it was the final season so they go in over the summer the writers pitch them their idea for the finale and jensen says i heard the pitch and at first it didn't sit well with me i went home and i slept on it i thought about it for a few days and i just wasn't digging it so i was talking to my wife about it and she said i should call someone and talk about it but I was like, ooh, everybody was in the room and they're all on board. Like, he can't call the showrunner, obviously. Right. He's the one who pitched him the finale. And she suggested that he call Eric Kripke, who was the original creator of the show, as we've mentioned many times. Mm-hmm. Hasn't worked on the show in 10 years. He's off doing other stuff, but he does know the characters, obviously. So she suggests that he call Eric. And he says, I called him up and I said, hey, man, you built this world. This is how we're ending it. I'm having a problem digesting it. And I need your take on it from an outsider's perspective who understands the world. Eric was getting on a plane and he said he'd think about it and get back to me the next day. I feel like that's a red flag, but that's just. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Then when he did talk to him the next day, he says, Eric broke it down in a way that really made sense to me. He reminded me, you're too close to it. You got to step back and look at it from an audience perspective, a fan perspective, and think about what the characters are going to go through and how that's going to settle once all the dust clears. And I thought about it and he was right. And now I'm really excited about the ending of the show. And I think you guys will be too. (laughs) And You kind of have to watch the video to get the tone of everything. He Mm -hmm. doesn't seem super excited about it, despite his words. And I think he was proven right, as we all saw. Like, he doesn't explain his exact reasons for not digging the ending. In my mind, my guess is that it's maybe not as much the Dean Cass stuff, whatever his thoughts are on that. I think the stuff we talked about with Dean and like that not being the ending that Dean wants for himself and a satisfying end to the Dean story, probably, definitely stuck with him because he really cares about dean a lot (laughs) and i can imagine him seeing the ending and being like wait he just he just dies (laughs) he just dies for no reason like how am i supposed to feel about that he and misha both have spent a lot of time talking about how meaningful the confession scene in 18 was how much care and thought they all put into that episode how important it was for cass's arc how great Misha was in it, how important it was when they filmed it. Jensen talks about how he wanted to remember the actually filming the scene as Jensen and not just as Dean. So he had a friend of his on set film on his own phone, them filming the confession scene, because <laughs> that's how much he wanted to remember it. They've talked on and on about this episode way, way more than they've talked about the finale. Well, yeah. I'm about to get into the season 16 events. So the wildness of everything that happened after the show ended knows no end. There was the the show at this point in fandom is considered to like Destiel is considered to have gone canon like four or five times at this point because different events have happened post show where mm. everyone is like, oh, this confirms we were right all ro- along. And then we're like, uh, it just went canon again. So <laughs> the first of these things is there's a Spanish dub version of the show like obviously this show airs in a lot of countries in a lot of languages and they people record voices over the voices of our characters and so usually that's not a big deal it happens all the time though it can kind of 
change like a lot about a show in ways people are not really aware of. I've heard stories about different shows where like the tone's completely different because of the voice acting on the show. So that's all the thing. But anyway, this the Spanish, like Latin American dub of this show got released. Obviously, episodes air in other countries later than they air here a lot of the time. And so the Spanish dub version airs and in the confession scene in five or 1518 i always want to say season five yeah. Cass says i love you and in our version dean says don't do this Cass." but in the spanish translation he says e-o-a-t which means and i you and so he like <laughs> he says he loves Cass too in the spanish yeah. version and everyone was like holy shit it's actual canon in in latin america like how come they got that version so then everyone spiraled people assumed there was like a previous version of the script where dean reciprocated but they cut that out of our version and mm-hmm. it only made it into the the spanish dub misha this is one of the places he got himself in trouble because he came out and was like that definitely isn't true this is some kind of rogue translator <laughs> <laughs> and then everyone was mad that he was like shitting on everyone's parade and so then he had to yeah. apologize for that it did end up finally coming out that it not a rogue translator, but a rogue director. The director of this version in Latin America just decided to change it because it made more sense. And you know what? Fair. <laughs> I wish people did that more often. Honestly, just take matters into your own hands. But yeah, that's the first time that Desiel went canon again. But a bunch of stuff has happened. Like, because this happened, various other dubs have been released. There was like a fake version of an Italian dub where he also reciprocated the internet sort of went wild, but that's happened over and over. Fans obviously were very upset, some of them, when this aired. So they have handled that in various ways. They have organized donation campaigns, which is a lovely way to channel your anger. Over like something like $60,000 ended up getting raised for the Trevor Project in the name of Castiel post finale. They did hashtag campaigns on Twitter to just like sort of rant at the show the hashtag they silenced you they silenced them and something to say are all different hashtag campaigns where people went and just like not just the Cass and Dean stuff they went online to say that they were angry about how the female and disabled and queer characters all got killed or just like written off the show. Like what happened mm-hmm. to Eileen? I don't think we've mentioned this. If you haven't watched the show, Eileen is deaf. And so that's like just another one of the characters where right. she just disappears with no explanation at all. So what happened there? We've talked about like Charlie, their lesbian friend who dies in a fucked up way much earlier in the show. Over and over this happens. People are rightfully mad about a lot of things that this show does. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I think it just sort of spilled over when things went the way that they did with the finale. Even more weird political intrigue. (laughs) Barack Obama's Twitter account followed like a couple of Destiel Stan accounts post finale airing. And so everyone freaked out about that. Like Barack Obama is secretly a Destiel shipper. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, they unfollowed them. So I'm sure it's some... Barack Obama it, yeah. intern who has done this, but like bless them because hysterical. That's he's not the only one. Like a bunch of actors have followed various supernatural related accounts, and there's been you right. know blowback or excitement about that. But one of my favorite things, a delightful thing that's happened. I mean, maybe not delightful for the people involved, but delightful for me as an observer. <laughs> 
there's this thing on the internet called the J2, which is Jared and Jensen, J2 fallout theory, which is mm-hmm. a theory people have had for a while that like, even though they've presented themselves as best friends over the course of the show, that like maybe they secretly actually don't like each other. Right. <laughs> and people have had this this thought for a lot of reasons for a lot of years. Part of it is Jared has like kind of a troubled life seemingly like various stuff goes on i don't know if he has like he got into this fight at a bar that he owns it beats some people yeah. up he's getting in fights with people on social media a lot he's got his own baggage stuff going on and i think some people took their own distaste at a lot of jared's actions and have laid them onto jensen and are like he must also think yeah. such and such about jared and to be fair, I think this is also just a thing that happens in like two-hander shows. Like we saw that too. If you look at some of the press around Starsky and Hutch, like yeah. so much of the commentary is like, "Oh, do David Soul and, and Paul Michael Glazer like each other?" And it's yeah. like people I don't know, want man. there to be tension between the actors <laughs> yeah. on the show. And and part of it is that Jared and Jensen have gone out of their way to present themselves as so close over the right. course of the show. So they are both like. We're not just friends, we're brothers and we're uncles to each other's kids and we both bought houses close to each other in Austin because we are a family, not just friends. I think some people were like, it got to be a little heavy handed by the end. (laughs) Everyone was like, are they really this close? So people started to compile evidence of this J2 fallout theory and something just mm, delightful happened (laughs) recently after this show ended. Jensen ended up forming a production company with his wife at Warner Brothers. And they acquired the supernatural rights to do spinoffs and the like. And they announced on Deadline and Twitter and whatever that they planned their first supernatural spinoff. Maybe the first of many. Who knows? They want a whole supernatural universe. And it was going to be a prequel about John and Mary and like the early days of their relationship. And at first, this announcement was met with, mm, I would not say excitement, John's not a fan favorite. Maybe he is for some people. I mean, I like Jeffrey Dean Morgan, but like John Winchester is a real piece of shit. And I think most of the people over the course of the show are not really team John Winchester anymore. Anyway, prequel about John and Mary. Maybe they just wanted to do a period show. Maybe they thought it could be like a fun romance. But it was going to be with some writers from the show. Most people were tweeting in support, like, good for you. Happy to see you're keeping Supernatural alive. Misha tweets, Mm -hmm. Seems like this show would benefit from a time-traveling angel in a trench coat character. Just saying. So, like, people are on board, or at least publicly supportive. Yeah. (laughs) Apparently, nobody told Jared (laughs) that this was happening. And he didn't take the news. Yeah, if we could could quote Michael Jordan, he took that personally. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. So, for some reason unclear to all of us he decides to let his upset about this play out publicly over twitter instead of picking up the phone to call his best friend slash brother jensen ackles to express his displeasure so at first uh, he retweets the article that announces the prequel and writes dude period happy for you period wish i had heard about this some way other than twitter i'm excited to watch but bummed that sam winchester had no involvement whatsoever and so he doesn't leave it at that that itself would be like oh that's a little bit bitchy for a thing to say about your best friend but like whatever it's fine but no it goes on somebody writes in response to that this has got to be a bad joke hello jared jensen this ain't it sirs we're freaking out like people are upset about them 
not being friends. Oh, because yeah. in addition to the J2 fallout theory people, there are also like, you know, vibros and the like who are very invested in the friendship of Jared and Jensen and mm-hmm. you know, uh, need it to be real. So yeah, somebody says like, you must be kidding that you don't know about the show. And he writes back, he writes back in a tweet for the ages. Everybody save this and use it in, in your future endeavors. No, period. It's not, period. This is the first I've heard about it, period. I'm gutted, period. And so many memes were born. <laughs> Amazingly, it didn't end there. The freakout continued. Uh, he turned him his his sights on Robbie Thompson, who is a writer from Supernatural, who is one of the people that was going to be writing the this prequel. <laughs> And he tweets, uh, in a tweet that has since been deleted, so I guess he thought better of it, at Robbie Thompson, et tu, Brute, wow, what a truly awful thing you've done. Hashtag bravo, you coward. It's so intense. It's so intense. He has no chill. None at all. Why'd he call him a coward? I guess because he also did not tell him about it. You know, I think the vibe. Anybody who didn't, who knew about this and didn't tell me about it has personally fucked me over because like you were keeping secrets. Gotcha. Um, So he was mad. He also, in the course of this, unfollowed both Jensen and Misha for some reason on Twitter. I think he ended up refollowing them. And they did in like a obviously engineered PR situation. uh, Everything was resolved. They ended up releasing statements that they had gotten on the phone and worked everything out. And, you know, this all happened through tweets again with Jared being like, no, it's all fine now. And like we talked and he explained it, that it was just like, it wasn't really real yet, you know, so he didn't feel like he needed to tell me about it, but it's all good. We're, we're still fine. And then, you know, Jensen writes back like, yeah, so good to talk to you. Like, I, I miss our chats. I think you write some this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love you, brother. You know, <laughs> you know what you would expect. So all of that happened. And boy, was it a good time when it did. But they resolved it, right? They smoothed it over. We saw the tweets. Nothing else is yeah. going on. I mean, They're best friends true. again. Then they're best friends again and everything is fine. And so there's a convention in Denver and (laughs) initially the plan when they announced the schedule for this Denver convention was that Misha and like likely some other folks were going to appear on the Saturday and then on Sunday, Jared and Jensen were going to appear presumably in like a panel together, maybe separate panels, unclear. A couple of weeks before the convention... Everyone who is attending gets an email saying that Jensen will no longer be appearing on Sunday. He will be appearing on Saturday for, quote, professional reasons. (laughs) I hear you saying, like, don't people normally say scheduling issues when something like this happens? Not in this case. Nope. Professional Professional reasons. (laughs) Professional reasons now means I don't want to. Despite Jensen's professional reasons for moving his appearance to Saturday at the Denver Con, he and Jared did appear on a panel together. I guess Jared was able to make himself available on Saturday. And it was a a rousing success. (laughs) You could say that. It's all open to interpretation. Oh, dagger to my heart. So... 
As I have said before, Cass's confession scene, in my opinion, and I think yours, is a canon romantic confession. I don't really know how you can read it any other way, but apparently that's not true for everyone. So at the Denver Con, Jared and Jensen got a question that I didn't think would be that hard to answer, but then they did some interesting things. So I guess let's do one of our classic dramatic readings and then get into our interpretation of it afterwards. Okay. Should I just read it all or do we want to do it in parts? We can we can go back and forth. Okay. Um, I'm going to be Jared. I'll be Jared, I guess. Okay. okay. So a fan asked... When did you know that the way Cass loved Dean was romantic? And Jensen said, I don't think Dean ever knew until the very end because I wasn't acting that. When Jensen found out or it was discussed internally, I think the term romantic is being used because there isn't a term. And Jared jumps in with, he's junkless. And then Jensen continues, I don't think lust is involved with the romanticism. And Jensen sort of trails off and and Jared jumps in like, I can save this situation. So here's the Jared monologue. I don't think it's the point that they both have human male bodies and want to sleep with each other. I think the point is that you can love anything. It's a superpower. Someone could punch you in the face and you could say, I love you. I forgive you. Someone could give you a million dollars and you could say, I love you. It doesn't mean... I say that with my friends. I say it to Ackles. It doesn't mean I want to take you to a hotel room. It just means, hey, I love you. And so the point of the relationship story-wise is that they could love each other. Sam and Dean loved each other. It's not a show about incest. Cass and Dean can love each other. It's not a show about heterosexuality or non-binary. It's a show about, hey, you can choose to live your life with love. Not, hey, this means they want to make out. It's not about that. It's about... I can tell my son I love you, and it's not that I want to do something to or with my son. I just love my son. My daughter can say the same thing. So that wasn't the point of that scene. The point was, you're free to love whoever you want. You can be heterosexual and love whoever you want. You can be queer and love whoever you want. You can be any part of the LGBTQIA, love whoever the fuck you want. Sorry for my cursing. It doesn't mean you want to do something with them or to them. So hopefully Supernatural, in its 327 episodes, helped to have people love those around them. I'll piggyback on what he said. The love that Cass had was heavenly. He's an angel. He's able to love on a level and a plane that human emotion doesn't necessarily comprehend. And we might default to making it a romantic or sexual love. When the way that I interpret it is, and this is the great thing about this show and the relationships and some of these characters, is that they're open for interpretation. If you find identity in a character because of whatever reason, great. If that encourages you to be a better person or to love someone a little harder or to forgive someone for something, fantastic. I think that's one of the beautiful things about doing what we do is we get to encourage people on a variety of levels. And I think Cass's love was a love that isn't identified by humans necessarily. It was a love that superseded that. And we tried to find words to describe that. And I don't think there are words. You guys certainly found a lot of words (laughs) to say here. A lot of words. Okay, where to begin? First of all, it wasn't a question for Jared, so he maybe should have just not talked. But then when he did start talking, I 
just have issues with so many parts of this. I guess since it happens first, I'll take issue with him calling Cass junkless when the show does not treat him as such. Basically, Mm -hmm. any other time he has sex with people and Dean doesn't seem to view him as quote unquote junkless since he takes him out to lose his virginity. (laughs) And I just don't know where that's coming from. It's like once he becomes queer, all of a sudden he's junkless. What a surprise. Yes. And as we've had conversations where you point out that Cass having sex is not the only example of an angel having sex. Dean has had sex with an angel before. Yeah. So we know they can. (laughs) And also their vessels are very clearly human. So I'm not entirely sure where this is coming from. We've seen angels sleep with people on multiple occasions. We've seen angels have children before with humans. We've seen, we've seen it all. (laughs) Indeed, indeed we have. So first of all, not junkless. Don't know where that's coming from. But then there's a thread through all of us that is familiar and annoying where they try to separate any sense of lust or sexual attraction from this just because it has become queer. They're doing that, like, let's not cheapen their love with sex thing, where you're like... A classic J.J. Abrams. I know. (laughs) It harkens back to J.J. Abrams. I guess let's do a close reading of this Jared thing, because there's just so much. There's just so much happening here. I get that he's, like, trying to ad-lib and just going wherever the wind takes him. Yeah. But... A lot of it is so weird. Yeah, I guess we can do the close reading. I guess just like globally, right? The problem I have with all of this is none of this this type of love they're describing requires the type of confession that yeah. Cass gave in that scene. So they're not speaking to the actual scene is what's happening. It's like they never saw the scene and someone vaguely described to them the fact that Cass said to Dean that he loves him and that's all they know about what aired on screen because the scene the canon scene is is explicit it's not subtext it is a very clear romantic confession if it were a man and a woman there would be no one saying like I guess it's open to interpretation (laughs) what happened in that scene because it's very clear I I mean, on the show, Cass has told Dean he loves him before this scene. So first of all, it's not like that's the only new thing about his confession. So what is he confessing if it's Mm -hmm. not romantic? And then I know your favorite, you know, thing to, to talk about in this is like, what exactly does it mean that he says it's not about the having? Yeah. Because what is the having how could Cass have Dean in a way that he does not already have him that is not romantic? Right. That's my question. Because you know what? To Jared's point, yes, we have all told people we have no sexual attraction to that we love them. We've yes. all had that experience. Everyone knows there are different types of love. None of those other types of love require a confession where you're worried the other person is going to reject you in the way that he's clearly worried about had been worried about being rejected and that involved the phrase having yeah i don't understand how he can have him how how does he want to have him yes what are they not doing in their relationship right now that he would like to do or have happen because he 
he has him as a brother, as family, Mm -hmm. as a best friend, as what are the other ways in which he has him? A co-parent in many ways. Co-parent, true. A colleague. They work together. (laughs) A friend. He has him in like, he has him in a lot of different ways. I don't. What is yeah, what is that? I've I've told you this before too. That the thing this reminds me the most of is the fake movie at the beginning of In and Out, where oh, I love it so much. If people haven't seen In and Out, this Kevin Klein movie from the nineties, I think it's from like ninety four, ninety five, um, somewhere there. Go watch it. It's it's quality. Yeah. So the that movie starts off with a a fake movie where the characters are in the army and they're gay, and the one character confesses his love to the other character. They're like in Nam or something. And he says, I, I love you. I love you, Billy. And Billy's like, like a like a friend? No, Billy. More than that. Like a brother? No, Billy. More than that. Like a cousin? <laughs> and it just like, keeps going on and on until he's like, I can't feel my legs, Billy. Yeah. It is exactly like that. It is exactly yeah. like that. Because they seem to have it all except for the romantic and or sexual yeah. part. And usually when you talk about having someone... Mm-hmm. that's what that tends to mean. Hell, usually when you talk about making a confession of love, it's romantic. Yeah. <laughs> and they do all refer to this scene as a confession scene. So I'm like, what's he confessing? That he loves him the same way he's always loved him for the last decade? Yeah, we know. <laughs> yeah, but I did. Okay, I keep trying to like, say this in an order of things that make sense so yeah him talking about the show's not about this it's not about that it's about how you can love whoever you want i just don't i don't understand him being like you can be heterosexual and love who you want you can be queer and love who you want but it doesn't mean you want to do something with them or to them which i guess this is euphemism for wanting to have sex with them but i'm like sometimes it does mean that right like can't you be heterosexual or queer and love someone and want to sleep with them also i'm just obsessed with the phrase it's not a show about heterosexuality or non-binary so it's a show about homosexuality (laughs) just like what heterosexuality and non-binary are not like opposite sides of one coin they're they're unrelated things i don't know what he's talking about i am glad that he took the time to tell people that it's not a show about uh incest because some people are confused about that But then Jensen, who, while Jared is giving this speech, is looking like a little uncomfortable. Uh, I don't want to read too much into what's going on with him mentally. And he does seemingly like almost jump in to talk several times as Mm -hmm. the speech is happening. Rough that he starts his speech with, I'll piggyback on what he said. When if I were standing next to a person saying all of these things, I would be like. I disagree. In in contrast to everything he said. (laughs) But Jensen's issues are different than Jared's issues, though I do think they are also problematic. So in one sense, I get the cast is an angel and the way that he experiences love might be different than the way that humans experience love, I guess. Sure, okay. I can buy that as a thing that is possibly true. I just don't understand the desire to... It, I, again, it just it strikes me as the... J.J. Abrams school of let's not sully this relationship with sex and romance when it exists on this totally higher plane. He's an angel and he loves in a heavenly way. 
But also, why why would he be hesitant to express that? Yeah, why would an angel be hesitant to express his heavenly love for Dean? I agree. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like, the reason it's a confession is that it has been a secret, right? And the reason it has been a secret is that he feared Dean's reaction for whatever reason. Right. And I can't imagine you fearing Dean's reaction to you being like, I, a celestial being, feel heavenly grace for you. (laughs) Like, that's not... A thing. You'd just be yeah. like, okay, cool. I don't know what that means, but like, love you too, buddy. So yeah, I don't understand that. I My favorite thing about Jensen's answer is that he says the way I interpret it is, and then he never says the way he interprets it. Nice. <laughs> That's a quality answer. You got to pivot. Never let him get you on the record. So yeah, we tried to find words to describe it, and I don't think there are words. I mean, that he's saying a lot of things that I don't disagree with. Like, I, I totally I agree that as an actor, a cool thing is that people will identify with your characters for a lot of different reasons and see different parts of themselves in your character. And that's all wonderful. And it's great if what they do encourages people to be better people and to love people harder and to forgive people. Like, those are all wonderful ideas that have nothing to do with the question that has been asked. Yep. I don't know, man. The core questions are... What kind of love could Cass be nervous about expressing and what does having mean? And if you can't answer those two questions, which I don't think either of them do, like the only thing that makes sense is romantic and or sexual love. I just don't feel like either of them is engaging with the text of the scene in their answers. Like, I don't think that that plays into their answers at all. I don't think that they're trying to argue that it's not romantic by giving you their own textual interpretation. I think that they're just ignoring everything that was actually said on screen and pretending that something else was said. Well, to your point, you can't, because what would it possibly mean? (laughs) There's nothing else that it could mean. It doesn't make any sense. So the only way to have the discussion that they're having is to pretend that it didn't happen, which I don't. I fully don't understand. Like, I don't understand why this aired on their television show on the CW if they were later going to pretend the scene didn't fucking happen at all. Yeah. It's confusing. It's confusing. They shot themselves in the foot. They made it so much worse than if they'd never done the confession. They were like, let's get these cool points and then. But if you want the cool points, take the fucking cool points is what makes me mad. If you do this, if you air the scene and you're like, holy shit, we're gay icons now. Get out there and fucking say that. Be like, can you believe how cool we are? We're this 15 year old CW show. Everyone thought we were like washed up, couldn't get with the times, but we're actually super hip and fucking cool. We have a gay angel now. (laughs) Like you would go on a publicity tour to announce how cool and progressive you were, but they couldn't do that because then the rest of the show completely invalidated the scene. (laughs) And so now post show, they're trying even harder to invalidate the scene, but it's like, it's too late. It aired on television. It's there in the episode. There's no other reading of it. I don't understand what the fuck you're talking about. Let's bring Misha into this because Misha's been put into a weird position with all of this. In the immediate aftermath of the episode, 
we talked a little bit earlier about the things that he said, the roller coaster he was on. He has referred to it as a homosexual love declaration. Mm-hmm. He has been taken to task about his understanding of the barrier gaze trope, <laughs> where at first he was like, I don't think it is that because he was giving his life for a good cause or whatever. And then he was like, actually, I have been informed <laughs> that I was wrong and barrier gaze completely is what happened. But all of that to say... Misha has been on the record many times about the actual canon reading of the scene. (laughs) I think he has not, he initially had not tried to argue anything different. And then at DenverCon, for whatever reason, whether due to him trying to like bring himself into alignment with the other actors so as not to cause awkwardness or due to our belief that there is someone somewhere holding all of their children hostage and forcing them to say these terrible things. He found himself in this position where he was trying to not really say anything. (laughs) So he gets asked about this too. And and again, he gets into quote unquote interpretations like the other boys are doing. He says, there's certainly no interpretations of that that I'm going to say. It's like such a minefield. I don't know. I know what I, I know how I approached it and I feel really good about it. And I'll be honest with you, I kind of feel like that came across. So there you go. I gave you I gave you the best I could <laughs> is what he's able to get out at this convention, which is like, who's what? threatening you? <laughs> <laughs> Who told you you couldn't talk about this anymore? I don't understand what happened. I am Why baffled. Why is it a minefield? I mean, he's not wrong because clearly they're all acting like it is. I just, there's so many questions about this. Like, it's been a year since it came out. First of all, why don't they have answers for this? Like, no no one anywhere was like, hey, we might get asked about this thing that actually aired in our television show and we should know how to speak about it because it aired on TV. Yeah. Nobody thought through that, apparently. And then why is there this, like, shifting the rules about what they're allowed to say and the tone of what they're allowed to answer and who can ask what because also at this denver con the people asking the questions were like you know the people on the sidelines were trying to keep them from asking these questions about dean and cass and the confession and all of that which is like why is that still happening in this day and age so again back to the journey misha talked about of at first no one talked about it and then no one was allowed to talk about it and then people were like maybe we can talk about it and then now not now but at the time he was like now i guess it's fair game people can ask about destiel no you can't it talk feels about like, it anymore yeah you can't talk about it anymore when it is it was on the show that's the part i can't wrap my head around it happened on the show why did they write it why did they act it why did they air it if they were going to pretend it actually didn't happen i don't No, it's so weird and frustrating and invalidating, right? Like more, again, more invalidating than if it never happened. 100%. And what makes it particularly invalidating is this open to interpretation thing. The whole concept of everything's open to interpretation when really all that's open to interpretation is the queer reading of the show, right? Yeah. Uh, These are the things that actually happen on the show, and these are the things that are open to interpretation. And the things that are open to interpretation are the Ardeen and Cass in love with each other things. We've talked before about, like, 
and I know we've seen this on Tumblr about the pointed questions fans should ask the actors at the cons, but it would also be fun if fans started asking just wild questions like, why do Sam and Dean hate each other so much throughout the entire show? And yeah. the actors are like, what are you talking about? It's like, well, that's my interpretation, that's my interpretation. of the relationship. I would love John Winchester, a model father. <laughs> <laughs> that one I feel like the show does think is open to interpretation, yeah, the way that they vacillate with their descriptions of treating him. but him. yeah no i like that because let's start treating the actual canon of the show as open to interpretation the way that they are treating the actual canon of the show as open to interpretation because it's what they're saying is that queer people and queer relationships are open to interpretation and they're just fucking not like subtext is open to interpretation text is not there are there are i guess here's the thing Quote unquote, everything is open to interpretation, but some things have much more evidence than other things, right? You need to support mm-hmm. your interpretation with evidence. It can't just come from nowhere. You can't just be like, Dean Winchester is, you know, sexless book nerd who, you know, like all of these opposites of his personality. Yeah. That's my interpretation of the show. And it's like, that's just nonsense. Pie. He hates pie. He hates pie. He hates baby. <laughs> he, he like doesn't like hunting. All of the, you can't just be like, that's my interpretation of Dean because there are things that are text mm-hmm. and text can get in the way of your interpretation. Right. And for people to say that Cass's confession is open to interpretation is just fucked. Cause you wouldn't say that about other stuff that is the text of the show. So what's yeah. so special about that scene that makes it open to interpretation? It's terrible. It's, it's terrible. terrible. Like, okay, so at Charlotte Con, the con that happened after Denver, you and I both were anticipating some fireworks, or at least we were hoping for some fireworks. True. And oh, oh, yeah, some follow up because of this absolute train wreck of an answer from Jared and Jensen. Like, I think we expected there to be some people who went to Charlotte Con and asked Jared and Jensen, like, could we get some clarifying remarks about your answers from last time? And that did not happen. They got asked nothing about Destiel. I don't understand how. I I guess this falls under our broader point of like, I don't think either of us really understand the culture of supernatural fan conventions. We have tried. We have studied. I guess maybe you have to go because I don't get it. <laughs> I don't know who the type of people are that go. I don't understand who's asking the questions and why they're picking these questions. Misha, meanwhile, at his panel, did talk a fair amount about Dean and Cass in a more open way than he had at DenverCon because he got asked a bunch of stuff about like what their wedding vows would have been and all like, and he happily answered all of these hypothetical Dean and Cass are married questions. But sadly, he also, somebody asked him about how they had been made to feel invalidated as a queer person when other people talk about their interpretations of these scenes and he gave up a fairly nice answer about how that would piss him off and you shouldn't feel invalidated and obviously queer characters are just as valid as other characters and he went into like a it's almost kind of sad that queer people felt so like happy and validated about this confession because it should just be normal and there should be queer characters everywhere and these confessions should not be treated like big deals and it's like on the one hand 
sure, mm-hmm. in an ideal world, <laughs> we would love to have there be a representative group of people on television so that every human everywhere feels like, you know, I, they could see themselves on television. But obviously, we do not live in that ideal world. And in his answer, he still was ceding ground to the, I know what my interpretation of the scene is, you can have your interpretation of the scene, and we should all be happy with it. When it's like, I wish he said, there's not another interpretation. I wish he said, what happened on screen was Cass made a romantic confession to his best friend, Dean. And you feel should you should feel valid. (laughs) Like, I'm telling you. He should what reiterate what he literally said before, that it's a homosexual yes. confession, right? Because why are we all having to walk this tightrope of, I don't want you to feel like it sucks that people are invalidating your experience, but, and that it's like, there shouldn't be a but. You should just be there to say you are valid and your interpretation is correct because it's literally the canon of the show. Right. <laughs> Why do we have to agree that everything is open to interpretation? Where did this come from? So yeah, I just, I'm I'm pissed that we somehow have taken this giant step backwards. And I don't yeah. understand why. And I don't understand who has told them to behave this way. If, like, maybe it's all coming directly from them, in which case, fuck them. Like, Absolutely. Just, just fuck them. But you do get the sense somewhere that someone is trying to police these answers. And well, I don't understand. Well, it's particularly understand. strange for Misha, right? Yeah. Like, because Misha, as you mentioned at the beginning, was so like, yeah, we did it. So it doesn't feel like it's coming from him internally. Because like, why would he make that turn? I don't know. I mean, we'll obviously never really know their own personal opinions because they're saying what they think people want them to say. I definitely don't think that anyone of them is like, who cares what people think? I'll say my own opinions because they don't behave like people saying their own opinions. They behave like people trying to navigate a minefield of potentially yeah. incorrect answers. Trying to say absolutely nothing. They sound like people trying to say nothing. Right. In which case, I feel like can't someone somewhere write up a better answer than the answers that they're giving? Because the answers they're giving are dumb as shit. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, I can't understand it. And there have to be like layers of pressure on them from various sources that I don't understand. So I guess that could explain some of it, but it's just weird, man. It's weird. It's confusing. It's upsetting. It's bad. Anyway, I've said enough. Supernatural season 16 continues. But for now, I do want to go back to AO3. I can't leave an episode with no AO3 chat. We talked about the most kudos overall supernatural fic in the last episode and in this episode i wanted to do something different and just talk about a couple of fic that i like that are fix it fic for the end of the show because dear god we need some fix it fic to make this show make sense so i just want to shout out a, a writer who is very prolific in the fandom and also i found out recently has written a couple of fic for the leverage ot3 that i have to go check oh, out because okay. like love them but this writer called sobsicles has several post show fix it fic and there are a couple that i want to talk about just because honestly some of them play a little bit into your own pitched thing but the first one is just very sweet and maybe the ideal scenario if the scenario is not your version where Cass comes back and Dean is already like yes I love you too Mm -hmm. that initial thing this is like it's gonna take a little bit more time for him to get on board so which is fine yeah good 
because uh, you have time in fic. You don't have time in the show. Yeah. So the first one is called Things Happen. They do, they do, and they do. And in this one, everything proceeds up to the finale as it happens until they get to the rusty nail scene. Dean gets impaled on the rusty nail and Cass shows up furious. <laughs> like, I like really that. pissed that he has given his life for Dean basically moments earlier. (laughs) And all of a sudden, Dean is dying again. He has been saved by Cass, brought back. He comes to the scene. He saves Dean. He's pissed at him. Oh, you mean Cass has been saved by Jack. Cass has been saved by Jack. Okay. Now Cass saves Dean from the rusty nail. And he's back now. And like, you know, he's around and he's staying and he doesn't have to worry about going back to the empty. So he basically is prepared to just say to Dean like, Let's not talk about it. Because I think in his mind, he's like, Dean does not requite. (laughs) Because, of course, Cass does not think that he does in any reality. Which is why in his speech, he's like, the thing that I want, I know I can't have. So he's like, let's just move forward. I'm here. Let's not think about it. And Dean, in like a weird moment of, you know, emotional maturity, is like, I really think we need to talk about it. (laughs) Like, I, Mm. I don't think we can move forward and not talking about the fact that you confessed your love for me. So... He forces him to talk about it, but it, he does basically gently reject him. Like, I really okay. appreciate that you said this and that you care about me, but, you know, I can't, I'm straight or whatever, like his normal yeah. team thing. And Cass is like, yeah, obviously, thanks for making me talk about it. <laughs> and so then they just are like moving forward in their life and Cass is there and he's in love with Dean and they're not doing anything about it, but Cass isn't hiding it. So he just keeps like saying nice things about Dean to him and Dean- yeah can't handle it (laughs) like he keeps and anytime Cass says something nice to to or about him he gets all like fluttery and he doesn't understand why (laughs) because he clearly does have feelings for Cass but does not realize it so yes this keeps like this goes on Cass is saying nice things he's like I don't understand why like oh my it's so nice that you said that but then they meet a guy who's flirting with Cass and Dean gets really jealous of him but still doesn't know why he is jealous of this guy flirting with Cass Sam thinks that they're together because of a miscommunication. Like it comes out that Cass has confessed his love for Dean and Sam just assumes that means they're together now. So he's been Mm. proceeding as if that is the case. Claire comes at one point with Kaya and also I think thinks that they're together, but then finds out that Dean rejected Cass and she comes in and hits him in the face, hits Dean in the face (laughs) and is like pissed at him. Like you're never going to get anyone better than Cass. What the fuck is wrong with you? You're crazy. And so she says to him in this scene, like, Cass is heartbroken. Like, how could you do this to him? And meanwhile, Dean does not think Cass is heartbroken because he's just been covering this whole time because mm-hmm. he assumed he could never be with Dean. So he's just like, it's all fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. And Dean's like, I guess it's fine. He says it's fine. And so then finally, he has a talk with Sam where they do the thing that you wanted where he confronts that like the reason that he thinks that he can't be anything other than straight is his father. And like, even yeah. though he has grown a lot as a person since then and like is totally fine with anyone else not being straight. Like he's fine with Claire and Charlie and Kaya and obviously he's fine with Cass being in love with him, but he thinks like that can't be me though. <laughs> like right. dad'll be really pissed if that's me. So he confronts that and has his moment of thinking about that. And meanwhile, he finally asks Cass if he is heartbroken because oh. he's been pretending that he's not for so long. And Cass doesn't say yes, but like it's clear 
that the answer is yes. And Dean just like can't handle that. Like he's like, you know what? Like, fuck it. Who cares about me and what I want? Like, I'm just going to suck it up and I'm, we got a kiss or something like, cause you deserve it <laughs> because I can't have you be heartbroken on my account. That will not do. So mm-hmm. he finally convinces Cass that they should kiss and then they do. And then of course, like the second they kiss, Dean is like, oh, I'm oh, no. super into oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't see this coming, but apparently I am also both attracted to you and in love with you. That's wild. And like, that's the big culmination of the whole fic. And then it's like, oh, I get, we're together now. Cool. So that one is really sweet and nice. And mm-hmm. then there's another one called According to All Known Laws of Life that is potentially like a li- maybe more probable given how fucked up both Dean and Cass are and how unable to communicate with each other they are. <laughs> so sure. in this one, which interestingly, I've never seen the B movie, but the whole thing is a the B movie thing. Cause apparently okay. I don't know if you, all I knew of the B movie is that there's a B and the B is in love with the lady or whatever. Yeah. Which sounds absurd. I'm aware of that as well, but I don't know many uh, details. So apparently the whole thing plays as a good metaphor for the Cass and Dean relationship because it's about like this woman who never really paid any attention to bees and then finds this one really special bee who is like, you know, like yeah, trying to fight for the rights of his people or whatever and then falls in love with the bee and it's like she is Cass and Dean is the bee and it's a whole metaphor. So this runs through the fic, which is hilarious. But in this one, Dean's not handling Cass's death well it's more like you pitched where it's like a lot Mm -hmm. more like season 13 and he's just trying to get through but Cass is not around and then finally Jack brings Cass back like several weeks into Dean just moping and Cass is pissed that Jack has become God because he never wanted him to be God and he's also pissed Mm. that he's leaving him on earth kind of because he's like not prepared to deal with the consequences of having confessed his <laughs> love for Dean. So he's like trying to get Jack to bring him to heaven and Jack won't bring him to heaven. He leaves him there. And so then Dean and Cass, because they're both can be so abrasive to each other. Basically, Dean doesn't know how to deal with Cass being back because he has been repressing the entire event of his confession he never dealt with the fact that Cass was in love with him because he basically was trying not to even think about the fact that Cass was dead so he hasn't done the emotional labor to figure out how he feels about Cass so then Cass gets back and he's mad that Cass wants to leave because he's like hey weren't you fucking in love with me like how can you want to leave what's the deal with that and he keeps Cass is trying to avoid him because he doesn't want to have Dean reject him and meanwhile Dean is like hey I thought you were in love with me and also like you want to fuck me, don't you? And he like keeps mentioning this <laughs> to Cass because he's mad that he's not getting Cass's attention, but he doesn't understand why he's mad that he's not getting Cass's attention. So he basically mm-hmm. institutes this very weird like gay chicken situation where Cass is trying to avoid him. Dean's mad he's avoiding him. And then Dean will be like, hey, you're going to take a shower? Bet you want me to join you, huh? And <laughs> Cass is like, yeah, sure, Dean. I, yes, I guess so. And then, like, as soon as he says that, Dean is like, like, doesn't know how to handle it and runs right. away. <laughs> so this goes on for a while because he just can't figure out what the fuck is wrong with them. And then finally, it gets to a point where they're fighting because, of course, they're always fighting. And Cass can't figure out why Dean thinks that he's like Dean thinks Cass is the asshole because he's ignoring him, and Cass thinks Dean is the asshole because he oh, keeps yeah. bringing it up. And so then finally, in their fight, he says again to Dean that he loves him. And then finally, Dean like resets and gets to hear that in the moment and think 
how do I feel about the fact that he loves me? And he like mm. then can process. And then he's like, oh, apparently I love you too. Like this is all okay. surprised him. And then, you know, they get together as is always the way. But I thought they were both some fun AO3 stuff. Oh, I'll nice. post links to those. But yeah, obviously there's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of fix it fic because it, gotta it, be fixed. it needs it. It needs to be. But yeah, I we don't have, obviously it's been a minute since we've done a true scholarly work section. Yeah. But, I got away from that. But yeah, we do have a, a think piece about the ending of the show and kind of why it matters to people. I think it's easy. Like we've gone on and on about our feelings about it. Clearly we have a lot of feelings about it. But it's also kind of easy for an outsider to be like, it's not that big of a deal, guys. It's just a show. <laughs> like Just a, a bad ending to a show. Millions of shows have bad endings. Right. And so it's like, yeah, it is a bad ending to a show and millions of shows have bad endings. But there's a reason people care about it, and I think that they are right to do so. Mm-hmm. So it's this piece called Supernatural and the Trap of Queer Tragedy that Deirdre T. wrote on uh, BuzzFeed. I, I won't get into all of it because it's long and it's intricate and it's interesting. But it's kind of about, like, obviously queer narratives have been around for a long time, almost always subtextually in the early days and We've sort of tried to switch to having more textual queer narratives as we go. But as we did that, most of them became tragedies. As soon as people were allowed to be like explicitly queer on TV or in film, they usually were dying or having violence perpetrated upon them or coming out to their families and getting rejected or some sad narrative after another. (laughs) And so as we've tried to move into a world that we can all envision where maybe not all of the queer narratives are tragic. (laughs) So Supernatural exists in this interesting place of like, it started a long time ago at this point. It started more than 15 years ago and the world was a very different place in 2005. They had flip phones. I mean, come on. (laughs) Exactly. The world doesn't get much more different than that. And it's a super interesting case because through any number of things, pure chance, a bunch of accidents, some interesting people pushing it in various ways, just some things inherent to the structure of the show, it became this thing it never intended to be. And so they talk first about like, inherent to supernatural kind of are a lot of queer narratives in a way that I don't think they necessarily intended. We have already talked about how Dean is based on Dean Moriarty from On the Road, who is a queer character, and Cass is based on Uh, Constantine who's bisexual but they also like the fact that Dean and Sam are based on the characters from On the Road speaks to that too like this 50s road narrative thing is kind of an inherently queer narrative it was written by a lot of these writers who were all hooking up with each other and you're like kind of getting away from society there's something subversive about the road picture anyway because these are people that are not living suburban white picket lives at this point right thunderbolts and lightfoot we could have a conversation with that movie as well absolutely Um, which I'm assuming no one listening to this has uh, heard of if they didn't listen to us. <laughs> well, I'm in uh, good finale fashion. I'm doing callbacks to a lot do of the episodes. Hopefully everyone listened to that because what a strange movie that was. But it also plays on a lot of 80s B-horror movie tropes. And there are some interesting queer stuff going on in those narratives too. They're, these are just yeah. like the building blocks of the show are outside the bounds of traditional society and another callback right the the conversation we had around teen wolf i think there's coding that goes along with 
monsters frequently. Oh, 100%. There's code right? that goes along with monsters. Yeah. That's also potentially running through this show. Mm-hmm. So this show, whether by accident or not, sort of had all of these pieces in place. And then as they proceeded with or without their intention, ended up getting to this place in the narrative where it was like, you couldn't avoid the queer storyline. It became what it was going to become because of all the things that got put into it. And the fact that we ended up with our 1518 confession is perhaps less surprising than the things that happened in the finale. <laughs> like mm-hmm. what all of that was, who knows? It, it was the part that didn't fit the narrative, not the 1518 part. Right. So this piece talks about the characters of Dean and Cass in addition to the premise of the show are also both just inherently queer characters. Cass, pretty obviously, because like you've said in monster stuff, it's a pretty normal trope for like an alien or a monster or a non-human someone to be considered queer. And like Cass is by definition queer since he has no gender and has yeah. occupied both male and female vessels and like- See our good omens discussion. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> See our good omens discussion. But Dean- even though he it was invented as this stereotypical super masculine bro dude who on the surface I think people would not read as queer from the very beginning of the show his narrative has kind of been a queer one I'll I'll read this cuz I just like how they wrote it They talk about Dean as a character introduced beneath the veil of superficial masculinity, whose complexity is gradually teased out year by year as he grapples with guilt, shame, self-hatred, and the overwhelming responsibility to live and die for a punishing father and God, who slowly learns to overcome those expectations, to choose who he wants to be and accept that his love is not wrong, his vulnerability is not shameful, his life is his own. It is a meaningful journey, and it is clear why it is so immensely resonant for queer audiences. The idea that you can be all of those things, that you can survive all of those things, and still come out on the other side whole and strong, that you can come out on the other side and be loved. It is a narrative that is rarely granted to queer characters. 100%! (laughs) Like, that's Dean's whole storyline for the entire show, and that's why it rankles that he never gets a beat at the end where he gets to be like I'm happy being me you know that's what he needs and his ending is those expectations that were set at the beginning of the show I mean he lived by his dad and God's rules by the end like how and why how it's so bad and why the here I'll read again the collective end to both Dean and Castiel's character arcs and their romantic narrative has done irreparable damage to the story its legacy and its fans it signaled once again what happens to marginalized people when they get too close to gaining ground when they can no longer be ignored their deaths were violent and senseless even Castiel's nobly intended sacrifice was rendered meaningless in retrospect of Dean's own demise two episodes later Their romance, left emotionally and structurally unresolved, was erased in its final moments, and with it, one of the last chances to ever see a story like it claim space. Yeah, I mean, the the way, it's it's like they have just, (laughs) the intention to not grant you this queer story in the way that it makes sense led them to just destroy their own show and narrative. They've, they've made it so that the show no longer makes any sense at the end because the only thing that would have made sense is to see Dean reciprocate, right? And they're yeah. like, they went so far out of their way to avoid that happening by completely pretending the narrative doesn't exist that now the show doesn't make any sense. And you're just like, what am I watching? And why is anything happening that is happening on screen right now? Yeah. 
as you talked about, right, I'm not even sure what episode it's in now. The finale is like in very specific ways antithetical to what's happening in season 15. But it's just generally counter again to the themes of the show. So like independent of the specifics, which I think this article really obviously touches on very nicely and I'm not trying to to say those specifics aren't important. Right. But yeah, it's like, is the ending supposed to be ironic? Like, what are we doing? (laughs) Yeah. Is the ending supposed to be ironic? That's a great question. I don't know. But it just leaves you in a place where I think I've said earlier, like, if this was what was going to happen after, then what was the point of them doing it in the first place? And it's just so incredibly frustrating, especially for people who are queer themselves and looking for representation on screen and so rarely getting it and watching the show forever and like identifying with Dean as a character so intensely and thinking they're going to get this moment of validation because of course they're going to get this moment of validation once this confession happens. How could they possibly not? It's the only thing that makes sense. But I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm left. I just keep, I have quotes here and I'll just read another one because uh, I'm just here. I'm going to like, yell instead of saying anything meaningful yeah (laughs) to quote many will tell you they'd rather have never heard castiel say i love you if it meant he could have come back if it meant they wouldn't have to watch dean die with his only words pointedly affirming the worst that all along his sole purpose in life had been for his brother nothing and no one else and that they were fools for thinking otherwise they'll tell you they would give up Cass's confession dean's prayer the mixtape anything that they would have taken a quieter love if it meant they could survive to see it if only in the sanctuary of their own spaces, which is I've had that thought myself, which is like, why even do the confession? Like, it'd be better to not have the confession at all if you could end the show with them at least together. Right. Like, right. Why it, did Cass need to die <laughs> for this to happen? Why did Dean need to die? They buried both of their gays. <laughs> they really did. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, if they leave it open ended, it's. Obviously, there's still a space for fic, and people would probably write them getting together post-show, but it's not necessarily a, a fix you need at that point. You do still have a different reaction to them just being like status quo moving forward yeah. and sort of is what it is versus, yeah, what what they did. Yeah, because they they made everyone believe it. That's part of it is like, it feels like the most vicious kind of queer baiting I've ever experienced where they literally give you, I know, right? Where they give you something explicitly queer. They didn't just like say, maybe, I don't know, tune in. They give you a half of the moment that you always wanted so that you will finish watching the show, just so that you will finish watching the show. And then you are compelled to, you have to watch the final episodes because of course they wouldn't leave this hanging there open-ended like this. That would be insane. No one would ever do that. And yet here we all are. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they've left it in a place where there's really nothing to do for these viewers than to just try to make sense of it in their own mind and, and write your fanfic and like try to pretend the ending doesn't exist and try to move on. But it feels like we've been, violently attacked instead of them just doing nothing they intentionally hurt people (laughs) and i don't understand why they did that and i don't think they necessarily think that's what they did but that's been the effect (laughs) yeah yeah Ah. it's it's not just that it was a bad ending to a show you watched it it's a hurtful ending yeah it is 
Yeah. But also it's confusing. It's so confusing. And I know I've said like, this is what fanfic is intended for and, and we can all go read our fanfic, but the, I'll leave you with one more interesting thing from the piece about fanfic and how it has an interplay with these queer narratives that are all subtextual. Quote, there is an underlying and normalized expectation that it is the responsibility of marginalized communities to reclaim and reinvent stories to salvage their own representation, which downplays the fact that this reclamation has historically been a response to and defense against the suppression, neglect, and disrespect of their experiences in the first place. Popular media does not get to claim transformative works as its own outlet for the representation it refuses to provide. That power, as they say, belongs to the people, which is like, yeah, I feel like there is this sense of when showrunners are like, isn't it great? Isn't it great that people are writing this fanfic about the show? We love it. We're so supportive of the fanfic you guys are writing about the show. And we're happy that like our show has inspired that and that people have the space to do that. And it's like, yeah, I guess, but we do it anyway. We, we don't do this for you. Like we yeah. don't need your consent to do it. It has nothing to do with you. And what you have the power to do is not just encourage people to write their own fan fiction. You have the power to make those stories happen on screen. And that is the power that you should be using, right? Like how, is it, how have we gotten to this place where now I feel like the more acceptable answer to these questions is not, ugh, stop shipping my characters. It's like, so we love that. So great that you guys do that. Like we really support you. That's become the answer everyone gets. And I feel like, mm -hmm. what does that do for us? What What is the point of that even? Well, you know, it's... I mean, it is better than being like, ew, yeah. gross, no. Yeah, <laughs> so certainly. We can't say that it's not. And I think it, you know, it does bring us back to the conversation we've had multiple times throughout this podcast, which is like with these things and certainly with TV shows in particular, there is this balance in the conversation between like you're telling the narrative you want to tell versus you're in a conversation with the fans. Obviously, again, more so in TV. But it, it does really break down when you're just not telling a satisfying narrative. Theoretically, to try to please some of the... It's... it's Ooh, here's another callback. It's Star Wars. It's the new Star Wars trilogy yeah. where they are constantly readjusting to try to please the fans. And you end up with a trilogy that makes no narrative sense as a single story. And you're like... So you've you you've just lost. You've lost on all counts. You yeah. didn't even tell a good story, or like, even if it's not to my taste, like a cohesive a story, story that makes sense. I don't know. I'm furious about the ending, but I guess we've talked enough that now I'm just I'm just disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. But we're probably still mad. We've just like exhausted ourselves since we've been talking for a several while hours. This evening. I'll be mad again. You know, tomorrow morning. Yeah. Much as we could go on, I think we've probably said enough for the space of this podcast. And maybe there'll be more down the line, but I feel like we've gotten it all out there. So we might as well get to the question, the question yeah. of the podcast. It's been literal months, guys. We apologize. But I will ask it now. Is it queer baiting, queer coding, or queer canon? Your thoughts? It's queer baiting. It's, it's horrible the worst queer baiting. <laughs> I want to invent a number higher than five for unrepentant malicious. This one goes up baiting. to 11. Yeah. Because 
it was queer baiting before. If 18 through 20 never happened and it just ended like we all expected it to, it would have still been a five because it's Absolutely. the queerest fucking narrative on television. And I don't understand what they're talking about when they say it's not. But yeah, with these, this scale goes up to 11. Definitely. Do we have a, a hypothesis on why it isn't canon? That's a good question. I mean, I don't. it's really confusing because like, like I think you said slightly earlier, you know, it's not as in as if the CW is CBS. Yeah. Right? They have other queer characters. It's not like everyone would have stopped watching the CW if they had a queer character on a TV show. Well, and and honestly, it can you imagine the publicity? Like the, oh, yeah. if this had gone actually canon, the world would have lost their shit. And yeah, like uh, you know Westboro oh, Baptist yeah. Church would have been pissed or whatever but like who gives a shit like so many people would have been talking about this it would have been well they're brilliant. probably already pissed because the Winchesters defeated God <laughs> they yeah, can't be happy Westboro Baptist Church had other issues with the Christian theology part of the narrative but you know yeah I mean it would have been a different blow up on November 5th 2020 if they'd waited to the last episode but like also would have taken over Twitter but in a positive way where we'd be like wow these writers are great as opposed to like what happened to them did heavy books fall on all their heads yeah, I don't there understand were, uh, there were bookshelves all around the writers room and then an earthquake happened and books just fell on everybody as they were writing the end of the 19th episode I do feel like it was a surprise to the people making it. Like maybe they didn't expect everyone to be so happy, but I think that people were surprised at the backlash, which is interesting to me because the way that like, again, I talked about the different times Misha got himself in hot water. One of them was people talked about it being barrier gaze and he commented to be like, I don't think it's burying your gaze because of, you know, yada, yada, yada. Like Cass was using, you know, agency to save Dean and blah, 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 like all that stuff. And then did have to walk it back and be like, maybe I didn't really understand what barrier gaze was all about. Because everybody has corrected me a lot about that. But I definitely think that they thought that what they were doing, who the they is in this could have various definitions. But I think that there was a sense that them giving us the end of 18 was the fan service, right? And like, I don't think that they realized that abandoning the narrative after would undercut the entire thing. Like, it seems like they thought like, isn't it great that we did this and gave the confession and like Cass is explicitly queer, isn't that great? And spared no thought to like, maybe people will be mad that we then pretended it didn't happen. <laughs> but also like, Again, like we talked about in the Gotham episode, who thinks unrequited love is anything but super depressing? So like, but we're not even clear that that's what we got because Dean doesn't say anything or have any reaction after the moment. He completely forgets that it happened entirely. I'm going to go ahead and and blame heavy objects hitting people in the head just like across the board. I don't, I really don't know the answer though. Yeah, everybody got hit on the head. Particularly whoever bought Sam's wig for the last <laughs> I don't know if, like, they got something in their eyes. Like, hopefully it, it, they recovered. Yeah. But, you know. But they were temporarily blinded <laughs> and just feeling around for a wig. They looked at the sun for a little bit too long. I don't know. And they were like, oh, we bought all these test wigs. I think this is the right one. <laughs> Oh, and then they finally saw it on screen at the end and were like, no, it was the wrong one. 
That, that was, was the, the shittiest one that I we got. was cartoonishly terrible. Oh, God. Yep. All right. Well, yeah. we did it, guys. Hope you stuck with us through all of that, the many hours of supernatural discussion. But there was just so much to say. <laughs> it really was. But I guess let's leave it there. And then if anything comes to us at a future date and there are burning things to be discussed. If season 16 really continues on. If the J2 fallout theory is confirmed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe we'll come back. But for now, that will be it. We'll leave it at that. And what are we talking about next time? So <laughs> I don't know that we've talked about this before. Maybe I should have teed this up earlier. Yeah, our mistake. We're going to do a, a wrap-up episode. We intended for this to be uh, a season of this podcast, and we'll do, a, we think, a subsequent season at some point. But, you know, I think we've talked before about how we sort of laid out the order of our podcast, and other mm-hmm. things have come up. We've gotten some great suggestions, which clearly we enjoyed getting. But we want to talk about what we learned, what we might end up doing next. We definitely have more suggestions from listeners that, you know, we're thinking about how we're going to approach those. We'll have probably up to some of our previous episodes in the second season but we do want to take a little bit of a break to give us some time to watch some more content probably and and develop some more ideas but also yes also we have so many ideas guys we can't be constrained to just this one podcast kelsey in all of her wisdom had a delightful idea for a second podcast that we've been working on and do you want to give them a teaser Oh, yeah. So we'll do this also probably in the wrap up episode. We are planning on selecting various years over the course of the Academy Awards at random and watching every Best Picture nominee for that year and then discussing whether or not the Oscars got it wrong. As they so often do. So hopefully if you listen to this, I assume you consume media. You might also watch some movies from time to time and have thoughts about them. And you know what? We do too. So hopefully people will be interested in coming with us on that journey, but we are not done with let the boys kiss. We love let the boys kiss and we are compiling ideas for a second season. So if you would like to help with that and send us more ideas, suggestions for different ships that we should discuss, please do because our doors are not closed. And in that vein, when you want to send them to us, send them to us at ltbkpod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Tumblr at ltbkpod. Tell a friend about the podcast and new episodes come out every other Friday at six o'clock Eastern, wherever you get your podcasts. 